Well, good morning. You know, we uh, basically get to worship together on one campus today. Only problem is it's the virtual one. You know, every spring, thousands of little kids pour out onto the baseball diamond with dreams of one day becoming Major League Baseball players. Now, only a small percentage of those actually get to accomplish that. And one of the things that derails many of their dreams is the inability to handle the curveball. Even folks who are talented athletes and good at so many other things, they just can't handle, can't hit that curveball, and it keeps them from achieving that major league status. You know, 2020 was a year that it seemed like we were fed a steady diet of curveballs. And 2021 has come along, and we're still seeing the occasional curveball, that thing that throws us off kilter that was not exactly what we expected. And, of course, that's where we find ourselves today. But I am so thankful to be a part of a team that can handle the curveball. They did it all throughout 2020. They continue to do it now, this weekend, uh, achieving this, turning this around on such short notice. I'm just excited to be a part of a team like that. You know, last week I talked about the need for and the stages of growth as a Christian, as a disciple, as a believer. And in the course of that, we looked at some of our uh, framework of our church, and we talked about our core values, and we talked about our measures that we use to individually assess where we are and see how we're growing and, and being built up in the Lord. And this week I want us to look at another one of those frames as we go into our message And it's our mission statement. Our mission statement says, building relationships that connect all people to God-sized life and love. Let's break that down just a little bit and look at it. First, it says building relationships. And I want you to see the intentionality that is in that part of the statement. Building relationships doesn't happen by happenstance. It doesn't happen just on its own. It's something that you have to work at. It's something you have to do. And so we are intentionally about building relationships that that give us rapport with one another, building relationships that bring us together in a commonality about what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. And so it's building relationships. And then it says that connect. You know, it's interesting. We live in a time and in a culture where people are very concerned when they're not connected. You know, if their cell phone's not working, if their email is out, if they can't get on social media. And yet at the same time, we're living in a time in which people emotionally and spiritually are very disconnected. And so part of our purpose as a church, part of the purpose for the church as a whole, but particularly for us here at the Heights Baptist, is we want to help people to connect, to connect with one another, and of course connect to God. So building relationships that connect, and the next phrase says, all people. Now, when we were writing this statement, we spent a lot of time. In fact, we spent weeks making sure we were getting the words we wanted to, wordsmithing it, if you will, and we threw out some words and put in others, and we tried different phrases. And one of the things we spent a great deal of time on, maybe the most time on, was that little word, all. 
I mean, did we really need it? Did we need that descriptor in there? Would it say the same thing if we said that connect people to God-sized life and love? And we decided that all was a very important phrase in that because the message of the gospel is available to all people. Paul, in writing to Galatians, says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's not male or female, but he said, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we felt all was very important, but it was important not only in terms of salvation, not only in terms of the seeker coming to God, but it was important for believers because part of what we're trying to do is to help each believer to continue to discover God's unique purpose, God's unique plan for their lives. And so we're building relationships that connect all people to God-sized. And that's an important part of the statement. God-sized. What we're about is not something that's small. It is something that only God can do. Mark Batterson, who is the pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., says this. He says, I want to help people to tap into their God-given potential. He said, that potential is God's gift to you. He said, what you do with that potential is your gift to God. So we want to help people to experience that which is more than what they can do, more than what they can accomplish, more than what we can accomplish. It is something that only God can do. And then finally, that God-sized life and love. Is they're trying to live this abundant life that God desires for them. We want people to understand that it is not possible outside of this connection with God, outside of what God is doing in their lives. So this morning, as we think about that, it takes us to our tagline. And that's a little phrase that we use around here often. And, you know, most of our folks that have been here any time know it. And to be honest, if you'd been sitting here in front of me this morning, I was going to ask you to say it with me. But you can say it wherever you are. Life is better connected. What a great phrase. But it's more than a phrase. It's a statement of truth. It's a statement of belief. It's a statement of experience in our lives. You know, last week I shared that being a Christian is, is not just showing up for the event. And I want to repeat that and reemphasize that this morning. It is not just showing up for the event, but I want you to hear me. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. You see, being a Christian, living the life of a disciple is about more than just showing up, not something that is instead of showing up. See, I believe it's very important for us as believers, for us as followers of Christ, to gather together, to be connected with one another, to be connected in church. You see, God's design for us to get connected is his church. And so this morning, as we think about that, I want us to go back to a passage of Scripture that we looked at last week. Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. 
in the context of God is describing how he has set up his church and what we as individuals should get out of that as we become equipped, as we become grown, as we become built up. But this morning, I want us to focus on the very last verse in that section. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. And wherever you are, if you'll just look at it, I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation. And it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now let's substitute one word into that passage of scripture. Let's substitute the word connect for fit together. He makes the whole body connect perfectly. See, God's desire is for us as his church, for us as his body, to be connected together perfectly. You know, we use the word church in a variety of ways. Somebody might ask the question, when's church? And when they do that, they're really asking about a time, an hour, a worship time. When is your worship service? Sometimes little kids will tell their parents, I don't want to go to my class today. I want to be in big church. And they're really not even talking about the worship experience. They're talking about the room. They want to be in the auditorium. They want to be in the sanctuary. They want to be in the worship center. Sometimes people will ask you a question, what church do you belong to? And they're not talking about the individual church like the Heights Baptist. What they want to know is what denomination are you? Are you Southern Baptist? Are you Methodist? Are you Catholic? But by far, the the way it's used more often than not in our culture, in our society, even within our churches, is it's talking about an address. Where is your church? 17201 Jeff Davis Highway. Or we're located in Market Square Shopping Center out in Midlothian. See, we're talking about a location, an address, or a place. And yet we know in Scripture, and if we've been around church at all, that that the Bible teaches us that church is not so much a place. Church is a people. But the question then becomes, okay, how does that flesh itself out? How does that work out in our everyday experience? What does it mean that the church is the people and not the place. Well, this morning I want to share with you four ways that we're church when we're not the place. First, the church is not a place. The church is an experience of fellowship. You know, 2020, as I said, will be a year we'll never forget. and I'm not sure we'll forget 2021 either. But how many of you were so excited when we made it through that stage where we couldn't gather together physically as a church and finally we were able to come back together? How many of you were disappointed this weekend to find out that we weren't going to be able to gather physically here and at Midlothian today? Why were we excited when we came back together? Why are we disappointed when we can't do it now? Because We're intended to be together. We're intended to be connected. We're intended 
to draw from one another in fellowship. Now, I'm going to shock some of you that are just dyed in the wool Southern Baptists because I'm going to tell you this. Fellowship is not a covered dish dinner. It's not a potluck gathering. It's not cookies and Kool-Aid in the fellowship hall. It's something far deeper than that. Fellowship is expressed in the Greek term koinonia, which is translated different ways, but really the bottom line, the basic definition of it is this. It means to share a common cause. And so we gather as a church. It is a time of fellowship. It is a time of sharing a common cause. What is that common cause? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is building relationships that connect all people to God-sized life and love. So it's not a place. It's an experience of fellowship. And it's not a place. It is an extension of service. There a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, we read that as each part does its own special work. As each of us carry out the tasks that God gives to us based on the gifts and the abilities that he has bestowed upon us as we serve for his honor and his glory, that is the church. You know, if we were to pull up our core values again, one of our core values is Everyone plays a part. Everyone has a part in the service, a part in the ministry of the church. And some people will say, well, when you're talking about service, are you talking about what's done normally on Sunday morning, all the folks that are working and serving here on Sunday morning? Or are you talking about when we go out into the world and serve the lost world? Which is it? And the answer is yes. It's both. It's not either or, it's both and. We are to serve within the body and we're to serve outside the body for the glory of God. So it is an experience of fellowship. It's an extension of service, but it's not a place. It's an expression of encouragement. Listen to the way the Message Bible paraphrases Hebrews 10.25. He says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Do you hear the words there? Encouraging, helping, spurring each other on. I want to show you a picture of two Australian decathletes. Now, the Decathlon is a grueling two-day event that takes place in the Olympics and, and other places as well. And they go through 10 different events over those two days, and they finish it with what is basically a mile run, a 1,600-meter run. And these are two of the Australian decathletes. And as you look at the picture of them, what you see, it almost looks like one guy's mad at the other one, like he's fussing at him. He's He's upset with him, but that's not the case at all. If you notice the one there with the name Maloney on him, that's Ash Maloney. And the other one is his teammate, Cedric Dubler. Now, Ash Maloney, as they got ready for this final event, he was in the position to be able to win a bronze medal. 
But to do it, he had to finish his race in a certain time. If he was any slower than that, he would not win the bronze. Somebody else would secure it. Now, Doubler, well, Doubler wasn't in a position to win a medal at all. But what he decided to do was he was going to help his teammate win the medal. And so as they began this race, Doubler actually took off running and encouraged Maloney to keep up with him, setting a pace that would enable him to win his bronze medal. And then as they got closer to the end of the race, he encouraged Maloney to pass him, to pick up his speed, and to make sure he won that medal. And what you see here in the picture is him encouraging, him spurring him on, him trying to get him to go a little faster to win the medal. Folks, the decathlon is a grueling event. Life is as well. And part of our calling as a church, part of our responsibility as the church, is that we are to encourage one another. We're to help one another in the race. We're to spur them along. And so it is an expression of encouragement. So it is an experience of fellowship, an extension of service, an expression of encouragement, And the final thing, church is not a place. It is an exchange of compassion. We are called by God as a church to be a compassionate people. You know, as we look back over the last 18 months and and look ahead to things that lie in front of us and we think about the folks around us, we realize there's so much suffering going on. Suffering that many of us could never have imagined we were going to experience. And in the midst of that suffering, we need to understand that the church has got to be the church. We've got to be there with a shoulder for people to cry on. We've got to be there with a word to comfort people. We've got to be there with a hand to lift them up when they need it. Many years ago, we were on vacation with our children and grandchildren, and my grandson, Michael, was a toddler then, and he wanted to play on the playground, so I had him out there at the playground, and he's having a grand old time and lots of other kids around, and some of them he's interacting with, some of them they're not connecting at all, but they're all there playing, having a grand time, and one little boy just all of a sudden fell off of one of the pieces of equipment, hit the ground. And you knew he was about to burst into tears. But before his parents could move, before any of the rest of us could move, before he even had a chance to cry, Micah had rushed over to him and bent down. And he said, are you okay, buddy? And this little toddler reached down his hand and picked this little boy up. And in that act, he stopped him from ever crying, ever being upset. That's compassion. That's what God has called us to do. You see, compassion alludes to kindness and it alludes to sympathy. But it's much more than that. It's it's much, much deeper than that. 
See, compassion in the original language meant to suffer with. And so we join with others in their struggles. Join with others in their suffering. You know, the ultimate example of compassion is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who came and not only joined us in our suffering, but took our suffering on himself. Bore our stripes. Died on the cross for our sins. And he calls us his church, his disciples, his believers to be compassionate. Compassionate, Compassion changes the way we respond. Compassion changes the way we live. Compassion changes the experience of others. God's called us to connect. To connect as a church. To connect as a body of believers. What's the definition of connection? It's being brought together so that a real link is established, according to Webster. It's being associated in some respect. So when we think about connection, what is it that brings us together? What is the link? What is the association that we have. Well, we are connected in fellowship. We're connected in service. We're connected in encouragement. We're connected in compassion. And most of all, we are connected in Christ Jesus. Is life really better connected? Yes, it is. And I would say to you, if we're going to experience the life more abundant that God desires for us, it is not only better to be connected, it is necessary to be connected. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, thanking you. Thanking you for the example of compassion we find in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanking you, Father, for your love that sent him here to earth. Thanking you, Father, for bringing together the believers in the church, Lord, in in your plan, in your purpose. And, Father, our prayer today really is a simple one. Father, Enable us to be the church. God, we cannot be a people of fellowship. We cannot be a people of service. We cannot be a people of encouragement. We cannot be a people of compassion apart from you. Apart from your son, Jesus Christ. Apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we ask 
Lord, that you would help us as we go about building relationships that connect all people to God-sized life and love. And Lord, as we each do our special part as a member of the body of Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. You know, as you've listened to this this morning, maybe there's a drawing, a feeling you have where God is speaking to you, where God is drawing you closer to him and leading you to a point that you need to respond to him in some way. Maybe you're listening today and you realize you've never established that connection with Christ that you need to know Jesus in a real and a personal way. You need to experience the compassion that he had when he died on the cross and paid the price for your sins. It's simple to do. You just need to ask him. He's waiting to give his gift to you. Just receive it. If you've got a question about it, we would encourage you. You can go on our app and ask for questions, ask for prayer requests. You don't have our app, you can email us here at the church, call us at the church, and we'll be there to answer your questions, to help you know what the next steps are that you need to take. Whatever decision God's leading you to do today, even though you're at home or, or somewhere else listening, you can still rep- respond to God's call. And we would encourage you to do that this week. Now, next week, Pastor Randy is going to be back in the pulpit. He's going to be back preaching. And our plan is to have the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to be working on that this week and figuring out what that's going to look like. But be in prayer. Be in prayer for those that are struggling right now with illness. Be in prayer for us as a church. Be in prayer for our staff. And be in prayer for one another. Encourage one another. Be compassionate to one another. Serve one another. And discover new and innovative ways to fellowship with one another. God bless you and have a great week.